This next announcement is for the ladies. Um, we have um, our third annual ladies banquet, Christmas banquet and bazaar, which will be December 6th. Uh, it's a Sunday night in about a month. Can you believe that we're getting this close to Christmas? Is anybody else in shock? <laughs> I can't believe it either. But we always have a great time, and um, the proceeds go to... Um, benefit an open Bible project and a local project. So all the money um, goes toward a great cause. And it's a beautiful night of just having dinner with other ladies. And we have crafts and baked goods. And we're looking for donations for those too. Hint, hint. So if anybody would like to contribute toward that, you can talk to uh, Melissa or Savannah. Um, Melissa is going to be selling the tickets. I think she's back with the kids right now. Chad, can you can you uh, sell tickets? <laughs> okay, they're on sale now. They're twenty dollars a piece. So we hope that you can come. It's always a beautiful evening and lots of fun. Amen. So last week was a little different for those of you that were with us last week. Um, uh, we're actually going to preach last week's sermon this week because last week God did something a little different and. He had a different direction for us. But if you are here for the first time, um, we're just so glad you're here with us. And we just want to honor you and welcome you. And thank you for being here. In the bulletin, in that uh, little piece of paper that someone should have handed you at the door, there's a little uh, rip-off card in there. Um, If you fill that out and bring it to the coffee bar afterwards, um, we have this really sweet City Light coffee mug for you. How many of you guys have a City Light coffee mug? Aren't they awesome? I love those coffee mugs. So if you don't have one, um, get in the cool club and get yourself one. Contact card, fill out the contact card. Okay, that's, that's the deal. That's the trade. So this morning, we're going to continue talking about relationships. Kathy, I know the slides aren't really set up all that well. Is that, is that my first slide? That might be cool. Let's see if this thing works. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kathy. Um, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're back on this subject of our relational toolbox. And this week we're going to be talking about relational needs. But before we go into that, I, I want to continue stressing the importance of um, this series. Now we know, uh, if you guys are familiar with the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is this incredible uh, chapter. It's, it's the notorious love chapter. It's used in weddings often. But it's, it's not talking uh, specifically about the love between a man and a wife. But it's talking about uh, this idea, this much uh, greater, expansing, encompassing love. And I love how um, it scrolls through and it doesn't give a simple definition. But it has to, like, F point after point, continually to defining love is patient, love is kind. Love is uh, without envy. It is not boasting. Love is quick to forgive. All these things that it talks about love, it talks about, hey, you know what? You can be really spiritual, and if you don't have love, you're just a big noisemaker. You're just really loud. That's all you are. I love that the end of it talks about, and it says, and these three remain. You guys may know it. I've seen it written on people's walls in the decor. It says, faith, hope, and love. The interesting thing about those three words is that uh, faith 
is definitely spiritual. Hope is ideal, but love is relational. And it says, and the greatest of these is love. So when we don't understand the relational components of what the scripture is telling us, how we should live relationally, basically we can, we can give the greatest prophetic words, we can go out and feed the hungry, we can do really great and mighty things. The, the Bible says we can have faith to move mountains, but without love, it doesn't count. You didn't change anything. Your, in, your, your eternal impact was void. That's rough. So, my point is, is that the things that we talk about, though they may not sound like really spiritual and really, you know, I just got fed a bunch of really good scripture, but you know what? This stuff is important stuff. I want to talk about uh, this, this man who knew, who knew the components of of relationships, who knew relational values that had a, 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 a really large relational toolbox. And it's a man that the scripture calls Barnabas. And that was a nickname that he had. And that nickname meant son of encouragement. Barnabas' story, you can read about him in Acts. He came, he came by those that were greatly gifted, but if they didn't have that relational component in their life, they, were, they weren't worth it. They weren't worth it. Paul, like the man who wrote uh, the, the majority of our New Testament, you know, early on in his ministry, there was a man that believed in him. After he had, he had uh, persecuted Christians, after he had been uh, uh, kicked out of his own people and not entered into the Christian community, there was one man that believed in him, that spoke into his life, that walked alongside of him, that probably didn't teach him great profound things that probably didn't invest in him in, 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 in helping him uh, shape his ministry, but cared for him, walked alongside of him, gave him encouragement when he needed. And it was Barnabas that actually brought him in to the community of believers and said, this guy's okay, we need to invest in him. He found approval in Paul's life. You and I owe the bulk of that New Testament, not just to Paul, but the man behind Paul who was Barnabas that sowed relationally into his life. So as we talk about these things today, know that, that when we have healthy relationships, we have a greater impact for the kingdom of God in everything we do. So uh, without any further ado, let's start breaking down into uh, the components of today's, today's word. All right, so we are going to go over some communication rules. Some of them are a review from the past two weeks, and then some of them are kind of new, but review is good, right? Repetition right. helps us remember. Um, the first rule is that our goal is to be right. No. <laughs> I was just checking to see if you're awake. No. Our goal is to understand one another. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Proverbs 18.2. 
okay? So one of the tools that George and I have found over the years that's really helpful is, you know, one of us will pour out our heart to the other, and, you know, you just listen, you kind of nod, and then it's over, and the person's kind of waiting, like, for the response, right, who's just poured out their heart. And we found it's really helpful in kind of just, like, saying back to us what they heard, what the person heard. Does that make sense? So that really expresses understanding. And it's just a really great tool when someone has poured out their heart to you to not just kind of walk away and say, okay, thanks, but say, hey, this is what I heard you say. Is this, is this what you were feeling? Because this is what I perceived through your, um, your sh- what you've just shared. And we've really found that that was powerful in our communication. It kind of just puts you at ease. Because sometimes when you're sharing your heart, it's, it can be an anxious thing, right? Yeah. And what are, what are you communicating when you do that? You're communicating, I understood you. I care about what you said. Uh, I valued what you said. Um, it, it sunk into my mind. Um, and it shows, it shows that, that you listen, it shows that you care, it shows that you understand, and it builds an, a, a sense of approval, you know, whether you agree or disagree, but it's saying, I'm connected to what you're saying. Uh, what you're saying did not fall in deaf ears. And, I, you know, what, the, the thing that I've always tried to do is just try to put it in your own words, obviously not to recite verbatim what they said, but you put it, you put it back, repeat back to, to you how uh, what they said impacted you or what you, what you heard them say. And oftentimes there's been times where um, I've repeated back to Sarah and she's saying, close, but not quite. There's that, you know, and so it helps bridge that gap of understanding versus misunderstanding. So uh, rule number two is everyone's thoughts, needs, and feelings are important, including my own. Philippians 2, 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. There's a key word right there. It's not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And we need to understand that it's okay to have needs. Not only means it's not wrong for you to have needs in your relationships and your friendships. Um, you're not a doormat, but you're also not a steamroller, right? We have needs, and my needs are important, and so are your needs. And that has to be one of our basic foundational rules is that we're acknowledging what's going on in our own heart and in our friend's heart or family member or whatever. So. Yeah, and so it's important for us to know what what are the needs that a person has? What are the needs that I have? What are these relational needs that everyone has? And there's actually uh, 10 kind of key relational needs that we can uh, uh, pick up from other people and that uh, we can communicate to other people the things that we need. But I'll tell you, sometimes, um, you know, you, you feel a certain way and you don't necessarily have words for it. Maybe you're, you're just kind of grumpy or snippety, and it takes you a while to figure out what it is that you need. Uh, for me, sometimes I just have to take a moment and say, I, I feel like I'm responding in a way that's not healthy. Uh, what is it that I need? And sometimes I'm just hungry. And um, so this is a little diagram that, that we've come up with that kind of talks about... Uh, I've learned that look, too. Yeah, Sarah's been able to identify this 
this emotional like, need that need I have food for right food. right now, honey. That's what you need. She says, uh, yeah, you're really grumpy. I'm going to make you a sandwich so that you'll stop treating me that way. Um, and that really works. But um, there's, uh, there's 10 other relational needs that I'd like to talk about other than being hangry. Um, anyone get hangry? Does anyone get really grumpy when you're hungry? That's, that's me. Okay. Uh, glad I'm not uh, in rare company this morning. <clears throat> but there's, there's, ten, there's 10 key components that everybody has these needs. Some need them, uh, some have different needs higher than abo- uh, others. Uh, some needs come and go. Some needs uh, people will need more often than others. But the first one is acceptance. Uh, being received willingly and unconditionally even after failure. And there's lots of scripture that we can go. I'm going to cruise through these. Uh, but if you, uh, if you want uh, actually a copy of the 10 relational needs, these things are uh, really great. Um, I have a link that you can get on our website, uh, citylighttoledo.org, or um, you can text in uh, City Light to the number 313131, and it'll... It'll forward you over a link on your smartphone. Three, so if you want to fi- three one three one. Yeah, it should be in the bulletin. I think the um, texting thing. If you text it right now, um, it'll shoot you over a link, and uh, you can follow along on the relational needs. There's actually a little quiz that you can take uh, on that that you can kind of print it off and fill it out, and it'll it'll kind of show you what your uh, top relational need is depending on how you score. It'll actually show you like how you rank of like what your lowest is and what your highest is. So it's fun. You can you can get it on the website or you can uh, text it in um, and it'll shoot you a link right now um, to that. But the first one is acceptance. Uh, being uh, received willingly and unconditionally even after failure. And um, I want to tell you guys, we can pay attention to these things. We can pay attention to the people surrounding us. I, I even challenge the, those that are in high school here. Uh, you know, when you're in school and you see a person that maybe you want to connect with, think about what is their number one relational need. How can I uh, communicate to them in the way that they'll receive it the best? The second one is affection, uh, expressing care and closeness through appropriate physical touch. Now, uh, my lovely lady here uh, needs a lot of affection, you know, from me. I, I don't require as much, but when I, when I notice that, uh, you know what, her love tank is getting a little full, I can fill it up by meeting her uh, relational need, and sometimes that's, that's affection. But, you know, that's not always in the context of, uh, you know, of marital relationships or, or love relationships. You know, friends can give physical affection too. Hugs, high fives, you know, Whatever, it, the old, the old uh, man hug where it's like, I'm hugging you, but I'm hitting you too, so it's not too weird. Um, you know, sometimes guys need that. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll move on to appreciation. This is a huge one. I think this is, is uh, one that, that uh, I've worked on a lot is uh, communicating with words and feelings of personal greatness for, uh, gr- uh, gratefulness for one another. Um, this is huge. This is huge. This creates healthy environments, you know. I realize that uh, I, you know, going back to being hangry, uh, where I, my, one of my emotional needs is, is just food. Uh, you know, Sarah cooks dinner for our family a lot. And I love to be, uh, a, um, show her appreciation for those meals that she cooks. 
You know, I, I just, that's one of my favorite ways to meet one of her emotional needs is because she's meeting one of my needs of being hangry uh, to eliminate my hanger. Um, and uh, I get to give back to her appreciation. Approval, building up and affirming one another, affirming the importance of a relationship. Approval is huge. Um, this is what uh, Barnabas did for Saul as, or Paul as he brought him into the fold of, disciple, of disciples and apostles and saying, I approve of this guy, even when it's hard, uh, even when uh, it may not be what he sees, but I see something deeper in him, um, giving approval. Attention, to take thoughts, uh, to take thought of another and convey appropriate interest and support to enter into another's world. Uh, attention is, uh, you know, another way that, that we can, uh, you know, we talked about repeating back what we heard from the other person. Uh, that's a really good way that we can show attention, making eye contact, uh, comfort or empathy, responding to a hurting person with words, feelings, and touch, hurting with another person in the midst of grief or pain. One of, one of my many favorite stories in the scripture is the story of Job, um, where in the midst of great pain, uh, his friends surrounded him and sat with him while he was in ashes and his clothes torn in grief. And they sat there, it said they sat there for, I think, seven days. They didn't say anything. They brought great comfort to him in that time. Encouragement, urging another to persist and persevere toward a goal, stimulating towards love and good deeds. You know, I would say even that that prophetic word that was given today was encouragement, saying, you can do it, Nathaniel. You can rise above the, the ways of this world and really soar in that jet stream that God's created for you. Encouragement can come uh, a lot of different ways. Respect, valuing and regarding one another highly, treating one another as important as uh, as honoring one another. Uh, one thing I want to note about respect. Sometimes we get in situations where it's really easy to disrespect people because they have not conducted themselves uh, respect worthy. That's really easy to say, you know what, this this boss that I have or this coworker or this neighbor uh, just is just uh, irrational or rude, and they just really don't deserve respect. But here's the thing that we're called to as believers. Um, We see through the crap and the garbage uh, that people represent, and we see through to see the treasure. Jesus told this parable about um, the field of dirt. This man sold everything to, to buy this field of dirt because he knew there was a treasure in there. That's what we talk about when we talk about honor and respect. We say regardless of a person's situation, regardless of what a person is presenting, there's something that God has put in them that is respect-worthy. And we can treat every single person with dignity and respect, no matter how far gone they are. Amen? Security. Confidence of safety in relationships and free from harm. Security is, is important. Um, sometimes people need 
physical security. Sometimes people need emotional security. Sometimes people just need to know that, hey, uh, no matter what uh, tough things come, you and I, we're always going to be friends. You know, that security builds a place where uh, there's confidence to get through hard times. Of course, there's physical security. You know, we, we see it in relationships where, where you know, uh, uh, typically a man will protect his, his woman, you know, with security and safety and not let any harm come. You know, but we have, we have that relational need of security that says, no matter what harm comes, I will do my best to keep you safe in the midst of conflict, in the midst of hard talks, your security is one thing that I want to meet that need so that you feel safe and so that we can find breakthrough. Support, coming alongside and uh, help carry a load and sharing a burden. Support is huge. You know, uh, Galatians talks about bearing one another's burdens. Uh, that we continually show support and saying, hey, you know what? You have a community of people that is going to uh, b- that help carry you through. So these are the, these are the 10 re- uh, relational needs. Um, again, you can find these on the website. Uh, and these are, are, are really good as we identify uh, the things that are in other people's lives that they need in order to feel whole, to feel connected, and that actually function best. When someone's relational needs are met, they actually function better. When your relational needs are met, you function better in relationships. And that's where relational wholeness comes into place. And that was uh, Barnabas's uh, knack, is he was a skilled master at the relational needs, that he could take someone who was an outcast in both the Christian community and the Jewish community because uh, he had an encounter with God and bring something great by simply just encouragement and being there supporting approval. Well, I won't carry on. Sarah, let's talk about our... so great, though. <laughs> okay, the next one is communicate true feelings and needs to establish trust and intimacy. So have you ever had these kinds of conversations? Are you okay? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. What's wrong? Nothing. Does that happen to you guys? <laughs> This kind of talk does not produce trust and intimacy. Usually it's more like, are you okay? I'm fine. (laughs) Is anything, is is something wrong? No. Usually it's more like that. Well. (laughs) All right. But here's the thing. Um, Sometimes if we're um, the one who's saying the short answers or whatever, we just want the other person to read our minds, don't we? We don't really want to go into the whole explanation of what we're feeling or what we're experiencing, but it is our job to communicate what's going on inside of us. And it's your job to communicate what's going on inside of you to me. And we can't expect each other to read each other's minds. You know, we're not mind readers, and you can't expect your family, even someone that you're super close to. I mean, sometimes, you know, you might feel like, well, I told you last week, you know, that I was feeling this way. This was seven days ago, and even that's not fair to assume that someone knows what's going on inside of you just because you've told them one time. We have got to be brave in our communication, communicating really what's going on, um, You know, I remember our first year of marriage, as George um, alluded to, 
I have a different need set than he does. And one of mine is physical affection. And, you know, we kind of, we were raised in probably different atmospheres growing up. In my house, it was very, there was a lot of physical affection, probably less than his house. So to me, it was like a normal exchange, you know, all throughout the day to hug and, you know, touch and whatever. And, you know, I'm realizing a couple months into our marriage, like, this is not happening. And I'm getting terribly frustrated and feeling like my love tank is low. So, so to speak, he used that analogy. We're also drawing on the five love languages, just a little, uh, just a little hint if Let's you need. Let's give a little plug. How yes. many of you guys are familiar with the five love languages? Okay, a lot of, how many people are brave enough to say, I have no idea what you're talking about when you say the five love languages? Anyone in here? Everybody, there's nobody that has no idea. Okay, that's a good thing. Well, if you're if you're uh, too scared to raise your hand, uh, Gary Chapman is his name. Wrote this amazing book called The Five Love Languages. I really encourage everyone to read it, um, especially if you uh, if you're not a hermit uh, and you don't live in the woods somewhere and you have uh, at least one or more relationships with people, human beings. Um, you'll want to read that book. It's just, it's and that just really boils down even the ten relational needs to about fifty percent of that, obviously, because yeah. there's five major love languages. But anyway, I was having a really hard time, and I also just felt like he should know because I've told him before. Like I like a hug when you come home, you know, whatever. And um, I remember that he said to me, "Why don't you just write it down? You need to just write down whatever you want me to do. Just write it down for me." So I know. And I thought, well, that's brilliant. And so I sat down and I made a chart. If I'm acting like this, I need this. If I do this, then that means this. And it was it saved our marriage. It, it, it was so ridiculous. I'm not. It, even, it was like a full, like a full eight and a half by eleven page. <laughs> like every spot was written, and it was like diagrams. Like it's like if I'm doing this, follow the arrow. You know, if I'm doing this, follow the arrow up, and it, it'll like have different indicators of what she. It was. It was amazing. We went back. We were, as I'm we were not preparing. High though. <laughs> as we were preparing the, for the sermon, we're like, man, wouldn't it be so cool if we could we find tried it? We to dig it up, but you know, he he gets it now, and so he yeah. doesn't have to refer to the chart anymore he looked at it so many times he has it all memorized but really it was like ridiculous and some people who knew us like thought it was crazy that I had to do that and like you know I was so high maintenance or whatever but I realized that I can't just assume that he's gonna know what's going on inside of me and as ridiculous as it was gonna be that's what it was gonna take to keep our relationship going strong or to strengthen it or to continue beyond one year of marriage. That was seriously, I mean, that was, that was a serious need that I had and uh, he couldn't read my mind and that's okay. I learned that. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting because even Paul to the Corinthian church, um, he talks to them about how important it is for them to communicate what's going on with them. He says, oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. And so that's how we need to be with each other. You know, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Doing fine. When really there's more, you know, we have the awesome opportunity in the body of Christ to encourage one another. Like George said, that's one of the um, relational needs. And sometimes we don't like to do that. 
because you want to say you have it all together. You know, it hurts your pride a little bit. You know, I had to do it this morning. I've asked someone, I need, I need some prayer. And um, it has to be okay because we're not made to be lone rangers. We have to function together as the body of Christ. And um, no one's going to know unless they're super prophetically gifted. <laughs> and the Lord gives them that revelation. But we can't just make the assumption that that's what's going on and that's how God's going to meet us, you know. That scripture is really powerful in, in uh, Corinthians. What is that? First, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. 6, 11 through 13. Paul's really communicating a relational need that he has. He's saying, I feel, I feel like you're pursuing disconnection. And in order for this relationship to be healthy, I need, I need to connect with you. Would you open your heart back up to us so that we can have connection? There's a lot of ways, uh, reasons why we would uh, not want to communicate um, our relational needs or wrong ways to communicate our relational needs. There's actually three things that I want to talk about. Uh, the first one is uh, when we behave manipulatively, controlling, or pushy because uh, you've determined to get your need met now. So instead of, uh, instead of communicating what you need... I just want you to hold me. Can you just hold me right now? Yes. Don't you know what I need? over with. <laughs> I want attention and you're going to give it to me. It's when we say, when we don't give the person an opportunity to respond to what we need, but when we say, uh, whether you like it or not, you're going to give me what, we, what I need. That's kind of a poor way to communicate. Uh, that doesn't, you know, we talked about being your own CEO, being your own Tony Danza. Uh, who's the boss? Remember that show? Um, we, we talked about that in week, week one, um, where we need to be in control of ourselves, and we also need to allow that other person to make their own decisions. So we need to have brave communication, as Sarah said, that we can say, hey, this is what I really need, and I really hope you choose uh, that. I hope that you choose that. I want you to choose that. Um, so you give an opportunity to make their own decisions instead of controlling or being manipulative or being pushy. And sometimes we need to do a self-examination because we don't really know that we're doing that. Um, and so it's always good to examine our own heart. But here's kind of a, a, a different behavior. Uh, pretend that I don't have any needs at all. Guys, come on, a lot of us fall in this camp where we just say, uh, don't try to offer me comfort. I can cope with it on my own. I don't need anyone else. I'm an island. Uh, I can meet my own relational needs. I'll hug myself. <clears throat> I'll encourage myself. Um, I'll, I'll find acceptance within myself. Now, that, that's kind of dangerous behavior. That's not the, what the scripture talks about, of us being a body and joined together where every joint supplies. The third one uh, believes there must be something wrong with me if I have a need. Ladies, I, I would imagine that this may be a temptation often where we feel a certain way and we, sometimes we can feel guilty for feeling like we have this need for affection, attention, for someone to listen, for security or comfort. We just need to, you know, and, and the statement is, I must, be, uh, I must stop being the kind of person that just needs a hug. Or I must be, uh, stop being the kind of person that needs to be told I'm doing a good job. You know, the reality is, is we can come to terms with it, saying, I just need that for me to function whole and healthy, uh, and I'm going to find a way to be brave 
and communicate that to the people around me or the person that I need that from. Yeah, I kind of feel like even on that one that there are some people who may even resent inside of you that you um, you have those needs and you feel like there's something wrong. And I just want to encourage you that God created us this way. We're made in his image and he has relational needs too. And so it's just a lie of the enemy mm-hmm. that you like aren't made right um, and that it's this horrible thing. Uh, we need to just kind of come under the way that he's created us and flow with it. And so just um, be blessed and free from that condemnation because um, it's not from God. It's not from God. That's right. Okay. So let's see. Communicate needs and feelings with eye messages. That's the next rule. Okay. We kind of talked about, about this iPhones. before. We're not talking about not iPhones. iPhones. No. I messages. Okay. So that's like instead of telling the other person what they have to do, telling the other person what they're doing wrong, we kind of switch it up and kind of make it about us, right? We talked about that last, last time. I feel overwhelmed when I'm the only one in the house doing household chores. I feel unsafe when you drive above the speed limit. Oh, this is just random. I mean, I just made those up. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's got a ring to it. It's, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I feel unimportant when you interrupt me. I need to know that you care about what is going on in my life. I feel like a stranger in your life. I need to know what you're thinking so I can support you. Okay? So those are safe ways to talk about what you want to express, what you're needing, in a way that's not controlling um, the person. Because the next, the next rule is don't make judgment statements or tell others how they must change to meet your needs. Again, we're just the CEO of our own life, not of everybody else. And this is tricky because you have to be vulnerable when you talk about what you need. And you're kind of like opening up your heart and it's a very vulnerable thing. But you're still just only making a suggestion, and you're kind of putting that vulnerable yourself, you, into um, the other person's hands. But we still can only give the suggestion of how we want to be loved. We can't control them, and that's just where trust comes in. So um, the next is listen well to understand what others need, how your life is affecting others, and what you can do to meet others' needs. This is just being really proactive. You know, we can wait until a person tells us, but we're really the Barnabases. You know, we're we're really the ones who um, can change an atmosphere when we're looking for how we can bless another person. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's just coming back to those needs and being intentional with love. Being devoted says, how can I affirm this person? How can I encourage them? How can I show affection? Because I know that they like hugs, you know. Um, So uh, number seven is commit to protecting and nurturing connections. We're moving toward connection, not disconnection. So in those relationships, again, you just want to, be really intentional not to disconnect even when things get hard because that's how we nurture and we grow in trust and love. Number eight is manage your own heart so you can respond in love and cast out fear in relationships. 
Now, this one, this is important because we, in theory, want to have love to offer to other people, right? That sounds really great, but the bottom line is we can only give what's inside of our hearts. And so what's going on in here is going to affect all of your relationships. And we have to constantly be examining our hearts before God. The more we do this, the better our relationships are going to be, right? Luke 6, 45 talks about this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So we only have as much love to give as the healthy environment that we have going on inside of us. And that really just boils down to our first primary relationship, which is God. And knowing Holy Spirit, following him, listening to what he says, and letting him make changes inside of us, right? Okay, and the last one is um, do not participate in disrespectful conversations. So if your thoughts, values, and needs are devalued in a conversation, you just stop the conversation and set a boundary and say, well, when respect is restored, we can continue this. And that's okay to do that. You're saying this is the standard for my communication, and we can continue this whenever you're ready to just talk in a way that is mutually respectful because I'm going to do the same for you, right? Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And uh, George has a, an example yeah, you guys, um, for this. You don't have to be... You know, in order to, to show love and show unconditional love, that doesn't require you to be a punching bag. Um, you know, sometimes we take a hit. Sometimes we got to turn the other cheek. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we sit around and be a punching bag uh, for someone else. As Sarah said, we don't want to be a doormat and we don't want to be a steamroller. Uh, we also don't uh, need to be somebody, let someone else steamroll us. Um, I had kind of an interesting situation with a with a guy that we were um, really ministering to and trying to help out. This was years years ago. Um, he stayed he stayed with us uh, as we kind of had this this community house called the Lewis House. Some of you guys are familiar with it. Um, and his name was Dave. And Dave came to stay with us. You guys don't know Dave, so uh, so I'm safe to tell the story. Nor will you probably ever meet Dave. Uh, but Dave was an interesting character, and he needed a lot of love. Um, and he required a lot of love, and we gave, we gave a lot of love. But Dave, um, you know what? He didn't know how to have healthy relationships. Um, he didn't know how to have conversations uh, that weren't uh, manipulative or uh, that gave, um, gave others the opportunity to meet his needs. And I remember this one particular conversation on the phone with Dave, and, um, you know, it um, the the relationship had pursued to a place where it was unhealthy anymore, and I'm I'm building. Okay, man, you're you're moving out uh, some pegs on my Legos. Um, you guys remember that sermon a couple weeks ago? Um, okay, you're kind of moving out to the outer circles now. But Dave gave me a call one day and uh, was extremely disrespectful on the phone. We needed to talk. We needed to work through some things, uh, but the way that he was communicating to me was not helpful. And so. Um, yeah, so I said, Dave, I, you know, we can't, we can't work through this anymore. I'm going to hang up the phone now. Uh, Dave would continue to try to call me, and I actually programmed uh, his number in my phone. Do not answer. <laughs> so when that phone rang, I said, 
Um, and you knew that the tone wasn't changing based on the messages he was leaving. Yes, exactly. You know, when, when there's restorative, uh, you know, a place where we can have constructive conversation, but until then, um, I am making the choice not to partake in a conversation that's uh, going to be disrespectful. Um, you guys can do that too. And believe it or not, you can do that in your places of employment. You can do that in your marriages. You can do that uh, even with your children. Um, you, you know, the, these conversations work. Of course, be respectful and uh, be polite. You know, uh, Chuck was telling me an example the other day of, of how at work, you know, had someone that was talking to him in a way that was disrespectful. He said, hey, uh, we're going to work together, but do not communicate with me that way. I will communicate with you on a respect platform. Anything outside of that, um, there's going to be a breakdown in communication. So if you want to work through things, uh, we'll work through things on a, on a playing field of respect. And you can set that tone. Um, you're setting the playing field of how we can communicate. Without that expectation set, uh, it's up in the air. Without, without you uh, saying, this is what I'm going to need, uh, you offer them, you're giving them, you can communicate to me any way you choose. Um, hopefully people choose the right way, but when, when in doubt, you need to set, that, um, set the environment for them to be them and you to be you and them not to manipulate you with disrespect. Uh, amen? So um, I'm just going to pray for us in closing. As we transition here, Lord, I thank you so much um, that you've set examples for us in Scripture. I thank you so much that uh, as Paul wrote in Galatians and Corinthians and all throughout the epistles of the New Testament, talking and dealing with relationships, even to the point of saying that sometimes it's okay to, uh, to sever a tie of a disrespectful relationship. And in points in Scripture, he said it's, it's time to actually move this brother outside the circle of, um, of the brotherhood. But God, that's not our goal. And of course, you're not telling us to choose that, God. Uh, thank you that you've given us tools and principles that we can keep our love on towards others. Help us to identify the needs that others have around us and help us articulate to our friends, our families, and those we have relationships with what our needs are so that we can build healthy relationships where people can be the best, be the thing, be the one of what you called them to be. Father, we thank you for the relationships that you've put us in. God, and we know that these three remain hope, faith, and love. And we know the greatest of these is love. In your name we pray. Amen.
Slam.